WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQNA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week we have our first transatlantic guests. I got to talk to Rose Stein and Ted Brandt, who are the artists on Crowded, a new image series coming out August 15th from writer Christopher Sabella, a previous guest of this podcast, in which a seemingly ordinary woman becomes the target of a crowdfunded assassination campaign. Uh, the book hasn't even come out yet, and it's already been optioned for a uh, film adaptation by uh, Rebel Wilson, which is awesome. Uh, we talk about the new book, we talk a little bit of 90s X-Men, a little bit of summer weather in Britain, a little bit of politics, and a little bit of D&D. Um, a reminder, two Saturdays from now, August 18th, I'll be moderating a fan debate panel as part of CapeCon at the Cape May County Library's CIL City branch. Expect it to be a fun little show. You know, libraries are a gateway to comics for a lot of kids, and events like this help promote the link between the two. So if you're hanging around the southern part of the Jersey Shore that weekend, please come check it out. Uh, meanwhile, what's coming up on the site this week? I uh, thought you would never ask. I'll be reviewing Aftershock's Hot Lunch Special, a great new series by Elliot Rahal and Jorge Fornes. Uh, Matt Lazowitz's bonus reading column is going to focus on four times the endless appeared in comics outside the Sandman universe. And Joshua Bermont will hit us with one of his Wednesday Big Two reads. So please check all that out at WMQComics.com. Now here's me and Ted and Roe. So you guys have your first creator-owned uh, series coming out August 15th called Crowded from Image. Uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the elevator pitch for this book. Well, um, the basic idea, uh, as originally brought to us by um, Chris Sabella, the writer, is that... Um, 15 minutes in the future, um, app-based economy has risen. And uh, so, that, you know, nobody has one job anymore. Everybody works a, a multitude of jobs from a multitude of apps. And in amongst that, crowdfunding has risen to help people achieve their goals. In particular, the nastiest element is a, a, a website called Reaper, which is the Kickstarter for Hitmen. So, you know... What happens is you um, open a campaign on a target. As long as one other person supports it, then it goes live. Then you've got 30 days to have the person killed. And however much money is pledged goes to the killer. So in the context of that world, then our protagonist is a young woman called Charlie Ellison, who is, you know, she's a boring functionary, just a cog in the machine. She wakes up every day. She goes to multiple works on uh, all of her app-based jobs she's nobody and yet uh, one morning her life has changed forever when she wakes up to find out that she's got a 1.2 million dollar bounty on her head via reaper so um she um desperately searches through defend which is the uber for bodyguards and it, everybody turns her down apart from her last hope a woman named Vita Slatter, a bodyguard with a 1.4 star rating. Uh, that's fantastic. Is this uh, is this series supposed to be a uh, limited run series, or uh, do, you, do you guys know how many issues you have planned at this point? Not specifically, but we're thinking it might be four arcs. Yeah, we, we we're we're still talking to Chris about long term planning and everything, so there isn't a definitive plan, but it will probably shake out at either four or five arcs, probably four. Okay. Um, obviously, the first issue comes out uh, August 15th, which is a month from when we're recording. Um, 
in your own kind of planning, uh, how far along are you guys at this point? Um, well, we're currently working on wrapping up issue four for the line work before it gets sent off to Tree, our colorist, to get that section all done and mm. and lettered and ready for print. So we're getting t towards the sec latter half of the first arc. Okay. And uh, how long ago did uh, uh, Chris Sabella uh, come to you with this with this concept? As you mentioned, the rest of the team is uh, Triona Farrell on colors and Carmel Ray on uh, letters. But um, yeah, what is sort of the origin story for this book? Well, um, last year, um, you know, we um, were looking for work because uh, everything else had dried up a bit. And um, so we we're talk I was talking to a friend of mine, um, Juliet. Uh, who is the editor on the book, Juliet Capra. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things of just saying, you know, we're really, really interested in finding some work, if you know anybody. And she said, oh, well, actually, um, Christabella's currently looking for artists, so I'll put you in touch, because, um, yeah, she was our mutual friend, basically. Mm -hmm. And then, so uh, we had a chat with Chris, and... He ran five or six different pitches past us to see which one we uh, wanted to do, and Crowded was the one that really stood out. Um, you know, being where you guys are uh, in the UK, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, how or whether you guys travel to the states uh, very often. Obviously, um, you know, it was announced at Image Expo. We're, we're coming up on San Diego. From where you guys are, do you get to hear a lot of of kind of the buzz on on this book or or even other books that you've worked on we've only really heard buzz through like twitter mm -hmm. so there's not a because there's not many even comic shops around us so there's yeah we we live right out in the middle of the countryside we're mm -hmm. quite disconnected from <laughs> the comic scene in general <laughs> um the interesting thing about this project, uh, well, one of the interesting things I should say, uh, is that it got optioned by uh, Rebel Wilson. You know, book hasn't even made it to the, you know, to stores yet. Kind of sight unseen. Um, you know, uh, kind of a, a, a rare feat in the industry. Who uh, who broke that news to you guys? And, and kind of, do you remember how you reacted to it? I think it was Chris, wasn't it? Yeah, um, Chris told us that his agent had taken the first issue out and was like showing it around. And that was surprising in and of itself because we weren't, we hadn't even considered that, but then the strength of rebels enthusiasm was phenomenally exciting. Really. That's great. Um, one thing I, I love the uh, the skull icon that you guys have all been using as your Twitter Twitter avatar since the project got announced. Uh, who gets the credit for designing those? Is that you guys? Oh, oh no, <laughs> no, that was um, uh, Dylan Todd, um, uh, who's a big red robot on Twitter. He did the um, did the logo design for the book. Yeah, I love that logo. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, talk a little bit about uh, Charlie, the main character. Um, and her, you know, kind of per, uh, personality, you know, mentioned that she's, you know, kind of considers herself a nobody, works a lot of medial jobs, uh, you know, 
you know, uh, are we are we dealing with like a very likable person, uh, a very you know a deeply flawed person? You know, what what do you know about her character that you can talk about, obviously, without spoiling? Oh, she's she's deeply flawed, but she is likable. She doesn't like the idea of having to play by a bodyguard's rules at this point because <laughs> she's very used to going out and having fun. She. Uh, um, she's very compelling and magnetic as a character precisely because she's like a lot of characters that people enjoy right? she's very narcissistic and completely certain that how she feels is the right way to feel what she wants is the right thing to want so it makes her a really entertaining person to, to work on and also to read I think based on what people have said Okay. Uh, what are you guys doing differently for this project, uh, you know, either style-wise, technique-wise, that maybe you haven't on previous projects? Um, we are... There's a lot more panels, <laughs> for one thing. We get to have a bit more input with how the script ends up onto the page, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. We, um... We get given the script and we, we pull it apart a bit, basically, and decide whether there needs to be more panels or less panels. That is usually the first one mm -hmm. <laughs> to clarify, like, certain actions or character beats, splitting up um, text to work to different emotions so that it works rather than just um, having one facial expression for a chunk of text it might work better to have two panels to convey a change of mood over a speech but yeah we get to chris lets us play around with it quite a lot the other the other thing that we're doing that's different to anything else we've done is we're because crowded is such an intense book for us in terms of the amount of stuff we're in it that it's because the, you know the panel counts high the figure count is really high, and because there's a lot of changing between backgrounds, you can't, it's very difficult for us to pull off that trick of minimal backgrounding by relying on a scene, because so much of the book is constantly in motion. So one of the things we're having to do is lean on Rose building of models uh, for all the sets in SketchUp to make sure there's really strong consistency, because it's a living, breathing world, and we're moving through it almost perpetually. So there's no time, no time to rest anywhere. Um, what do you, what do you use to build those models? Uh, Google SketchUp. Is it still Google, or is it something it's, else now? It's Trimble, I think now. Trimble. Well, SketchUp, because it's also very helpful that there's um, the SketchUp warehouse, which can just, if you need certain props, it's very helpful to put that in as a placeholder and then you can figure out the sizing of stuff when you're putting it into the panels. Um, I guess for, for people who are, you know, aren't kind of familiar with this kind of stuff, is this kind of giving you sort of something to work off of in terms of like a photorealist display or, or um, I, I, I guess kind of give me, give me an idea of how SketchUp works in terms of like how you guys are using it. 
photorealism is a bit strong. Okay. We're we're not trying to. It's not. We're not trying to aim for photorealism, but mm-hmm. part of the reason it's being used is because uh, alongside um, Google Earth mm-hmm. is because Crowded is the first project we've worked on that's set in a real place. It's set in LA, so you know we're trying to make sure that it's recognisably so. Okay. Um, as far as using SketchUp, then... Oh, um, for a lot of time it's to have consistency of, like, of place, and so it also helps me figure out what kind of shot I want to have in terms of perspective, and, um, because I, I go through it thinking a lot of, think of it a lot as, like, having a camera, and so it's almost like location scouting. Ah, okay. With, with um, the uh, with the models, so I'll use the uh, the sort of camera to go around and figure out what shots I want to put into the panels. I'll take a screenshot for later and then get other other um, other shots and see what best works on to make the page work and that sort of thing. Does that make sense really to... Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not very good at uh, figuring out whether I've made sense or not. No, no, uh, absolute sense. Um, let's let's kind of go a little bit into, you know, uh, you guys and sort of your history with uh, comics. What are what are some of the book, first books that you guys remember reading that got you into the medium? For me, the earliest things I read were um, Asterix and Tintin, the um, Belgian comics, mm-hmm. which are really big in the UK. And I was reading those at sort of three or four. Um, and then from there, it was maybe at age six or seven when I was introduced to X-Men, the animated series. And so then I would uh, went for... Um, because they would... Uh, newsstand digest comics mm-hmm. a bit like what dc is starting to do now for uh, walmart yes then then we've had those for years so there would be like an x-men digest which would have one issue of uncanny one issue of amazing what you know whatever and or they'd have a wolverine you know a wolverine and gambit digest or it was all that sort of stuff so i kind of started getting into um um, X-Men books through there but it was difficult to find enough issues to, for it to be sequential so it was all very disjointed which was fine because that that was very like the series so it, <laughs> it, it, I just figured that was what it was like you just picked up <laughs> one issue and it didn't make any sense but it looked cool um, I think it was about I was age 14 when I actually found a nearby comic shop and Started monthly collecting with um, Wolverine one six five, I think. Oh wow! Okay. Um, in the digests, can you recall maybe sort of one of those first uh, X Men stories that they'd reprinted? Because I, I I do like you know with this this generation you know myself included that that came into comics through the X Men cartoon, kind of finding out like what the first X Men story they actually read was because you know so often it's vastly different from what they were seeing in the cartoon. Um, you know, kind of the example that I get, you know, give is the first X-Men comic I ever got was uh, at the end of the reveal was that there was two Psylocke's 
And, uh, you know, A, she wasn't in the cartoon. B, you know, okay, there's two of them. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, so do, do you recall what kind of what your earliest X-Men story was or one of them? Um, I don't remember which story it was, but I remember Darkstar was in there. Okay. Um, and you know, Darkstar was in, was in part of it with interacting with Beast. Mm-hmm. And... I remember that it was drawn by Lainil Yu. Um, and there was an amazing double page splash of uh, Wolverine slicing up a whole room full of men in suits with guns that were trying to shoot the X-Men for some reason. <laughs> and, oh, um, yeah, there's some... There's, so, oh, I, I, one thing I remember that was really distinctive about the era of it, actually, you can tell now, looking back, that it was a 90s book, just because it was the era when they gave Wolverine his own font <laughs> in the lettering. Oh, wow. OK, is this is this like the period where he had like bone claws and a bandana and possibly no, no nose? It's, it's after that. Oh, OK. I think um, it's, it's a, bit, a little bit after that, but um, they... For a couple of years, they gave Wolverine his his own font, which was a really weird and jarring thing. Mm-hmm. It, it was sort of slightly it, um, a bit softer and more rounded than mm-hmm. the regular one, so it looked a little bit more natural, maybe. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's hard to exp- hard to explain because I, I haven't seen the damn thing in about ten years. But <laughs> sure. Um, Ro, how about you? I didn't really get into comics until um, university because I wanted to be an animator and I wasn't really a comics person. Mm-hmm. But I, I hated actually doing animation once I found out what you had to do to do animation. But I really enjoyed storyboard stuff, so that's how I got into comics work but i i read a couple of like uh comics from the library i remember when i was about 12 or 14 or something and i think the earliest one i can remember was the danger girl book which was fun but also quite weird that was uh j scott campbell's book yeah okay (laughs) but um i really enjoyed how packed those pages were as well which can kind of feed back into what we're doing now mm-hmm. but yeah I was never really a comics person because again at that time I kind of lived in the middle of nowhere there weren't any comic shops or anything around so comics wasn't really a thing for me growing up okay um what in in studying animation what about it end up kind of uh, you know turning you off eventually Having to draw the same thing minutely different 47 times. <laughs> the, it, That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just, it was so incredibly slow. I was like, I, I want to tell a story. I don't want to be drawing the literally the same thing this often. <laughs> it was, it, I did not have the patience for it. Okay. And uh, how did how did you both end up working in the medium? Well, we went both went to on a course 
for comics, which is also where we met. Oh. Yeah, it's, um, it's, our, um, our tutor, Dan Berry, um, was, yeah, is uh, definitely a name in comics now. He's, um, you know, done quite a few uh, graphic novels and um, uh, he was the editor of the of an Eisner award-winning anthology either last year or the year before, um, 24 by 7. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, he's um, a real comics figure now. But um, back then, he was just a guy who made comics on the side while teaching illustration. And he managed to put together an actual university course. So... Um, I didn't join the the first year of it because I missed the, the deadline. But joined the, the the you know the second cohort that went in, and wrote transferred over from her animation course in, in, our, second, in our second year. In your second year, and uh, I was very glad for that. It was a <laughs> far more interesting course. And so then after that, we um, you know we became a couple while we we're on the course. And then. Um, we um, we left university and signed up with an illustration agent, which turned out to be a terrible idea because we took them entirely at their word and enthusiasm, and then they didn't did not only didn't bring us any work, but also blocked us from a co- couple of jobs we found. So once that was over, then we were just kind of getting a bit desperate to. Find, find something that would allow us to draw, and it was just. What, you, fa- you found uh, the Jeremy Whitley's Tumblr post for Princeless Volume Three. Yeah, just before we were about to give up and um, resign ourselves to doing art at the weekend and having normal people jobs, then mm-hmm. we saw Jeremy's uh, posts saying that. Um, Princeless Volume Three. It had to be delayed because the artist they'd had signed on had um, run into a raft of personal problems and had had to leave the book. And would anybody else be able to do it? And we put ourselves forward, and amazingly got the got the gig. How uh, how quickly did you have to kind of scramble to throw together uh, a uh, you know a, a packet for Jeremy? Oh, it was. Astonishing we got the job because we were applying <laughs> as a team, but we'd never done any work together. So <laughs> there was quite a lot taken on faith on his end. I think um, what swung it was the fact that as well as the portfolio for the pair of us that we sent in, Roe also did preliminary character designs and we actually requested a copy of the script to... Sort of audition to audition for it and i think the fact that nobody else did either of those things was what clinched it more than the work we sent in that's great um you've ended up you ended up working with Jer- jeremy a few times right uh, yeah beyond princeless yeah um because i mean as soon as the the first that volume of princeless was done then um we uh, we went straight into the spin-off for Raven, the character that that, that arc introduced. Sure. And we did, so we did 12 issues of that. And then um, Jeremy also uh, 
was instrumental in getting our foot in the door for Marvel because in Monsters Unleashed, he was offered the um, the Champions one shot and was asked if he could recommend an artist. Mm -hmm. So, so um, we got to design some villains, which uh, now that Humberto Ramos is drawing, which is a very weird feeling. That's great. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, um, we created the freelancers um, in there, who then showed up in the main champion series, which was, it was great. Um, when you guys work together, do you have a, is there a clear delineation between job roles? Like, you know, uh, Rose strictly the artist, Ted strictly the anchor. Do you guys trade off? Is it, or is it somewhere in between? I think it's a bit in between until it actually gets the inks. Cause then I have, I, can, I can't help with that at all. Yeah. I mean, um, we've actually got a really, really, really in-depth feature in, um, the Eisner Award nominated uh, panel by panel magazine coming out this month. But um, uh, where Hassan, the um, editor of the whole thing, mm -hmm. asked us to put something together. And so bless him for his patience, because we <laughs> sent him a conversation that's, I think, five, five and a half pages of A4. Um, plus some supporting images to, you know, talk through the process. But um I mean, we talked a lot. Yeah. The, the um, so yeah. For if you want really in depth stuff, definitely go and read that. But the the sort of cliff notes version is that sure. we go through the script together, and um, what then we'll um, break down each page into, ignoring the panels that Chris has laid out. We'll break it down into what what discrete actions. what discrete actions or emotional beats that there are and end up with a number there, which will either be, you know, that, and that'll be the number of panels that we put on the page, which may or may not correspond to the number that Chris has asked for in the script. Mm -hmm. Then we'll, um, then we'll, uh, figure out what kind of, uh, real estate each of those beats needs on the page, which can oftentimes be influenced by uh, the, uh, dialogue word count that panel yeah so and then once we've got that and then we can put together a i'll i'll usually be the one to put a first draft of the exact panel layout um where i'll break the page up into units and then row will go in and choose shots and do the the rough layout and then it'll be on to um onto pencils and then hands over to me for inks during pencils a lot of the time, I do pose Ted in so I can get photos to make sure I uh, get something that looks convincing. So my phone is full of weird photos of Ted in odd poses. All fully clothed. There's no, nothing dodgy. <laughs> Good to know. Glad we cleared that up. Um, you know, do you find often, you know, looking at, at Chris's scripts, you know, how is your, your sort of back and forth, you know, do you guys feel comfortable at this point saying, you know, I see what you're saying here, but I think it would be better if, you know, X. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. Some of the time we don't even actually bring it up. It's only if there's something really that really big needs changing that we've done that. So like in issue three, we changed a one pan, a one page 
sequence of events into three pages because <laughs> they said we, this needs more time and space to really breathe so yeah so we nearly doubled the panel count that it was being asked for on that page mm. and split it up so that it would have a lot more room to breathe and you could appreciate exactly what chris was going for so things like that will specifically ask not permission as such but just to make sure it's cool with him but then um small changes he just trusts us to get on and do whatever it is we feel best for the page that's great do you guys have a sort of page layout that you find yourselves you know if you kind of looked at your work um you know favoring more than others so like so for example like a splash page or a nine panel layout something like that consciously not yeah it's a bit more of um a chaotic jumble of stuff is how we work as much as anything else we're trying to make sure that there isn't a default that we fall back to so that because we want people to feel like we feel when we're making crowded when they read it that it's constantly finding something new and so like the, the more we keep switching it up the more we keep making sure we don't default to any sort of layout or anything then it means that you know it just helps people feel like um as much as anything else, we wanted people to really feel like they're getting their money's worth because we're asking them to pay monthly to read this thing. And mm. we want to make sure that it's something to look forward to and that they don't feel like they've seen it before. Um, you guys mentioned, you know, uh, working for Marvel uh, previously. Uh, you did a couple of fill-in issues on Captain America during that weird period where, where Steve Rogers was a fascist. Um, obviously, in the, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, in the states, that was a polarizing issue, uh, you know, among the fandom. But you know, overseas, is that a, is that a character that has traction? You know, maybe you know, kind of speaking strictly with the comics, because obviously the movies are are you know making money hand over fist everywhere. Yeah, I'd I'd say so. I mean, because you don't have to be American to appreciate what Captain America stands for, you know, because the best version of Steve Rogers is a man who defends the weak and saves lives, whatever the personal cost. And that ought to be a value that translates to any country. Certainly. But, um, so, I mean, I mean, as, as far as, yeah, um, what happened to Steve, I think that it, it may not have felt as personal over here, but there was still bafflement about the, the uh, choice made, shall we say. There's a lot of bafflement in American politics right now. <laughs> uh, you're not the only one. I mean, uh, I, you, I can't imagine American news covers it as much as our, our news covers America. But good Lord, if you'd seen the state of Brexit, we're in no position to judge at this point. <laughs> fair. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I know this past week you guys just hosted our president. So, you know. Yeah, just, but not formally. So uh, yeah. Uh, based on the way he, uh, the, the, both the reception that he got and the mannerisms and manners or lack thereof that he displayed, then it, he'll be lucky to get an official visit, I think. True. Um, you know, kudos to who made whoever put the time and effort into that blimp, though. 
that you know, was amazing. <laughs> our protesters was, could learn from your protesters. <laughs> it, it, it was a miracle of crowdfunding. Uh, just like crowded, it all it all ties together. <laughs> um, what is what is an average work day like for you guys? Do you stick to kind of a nine to five, or, or are you kind of all over the place? It's a bit longer than nine to five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we tr we're trying to limit it because before crowded, then most of our gigs were. You know, um, kind of squeezed in rush job things. Yeah, certainly for Marvel, like mm -hmm. the you know the vast majority of our work with Marvel, with the exception of the the first and last pieces actually, um, Champions, Mar uh, Monster Unleashed, and Unstoppable Wasp, all the other ones were us helping them out in an emergency because someone was having their own emergency and couldn't fulfil their uh, their obligation for the issue mm -hmm. so it was a case of hitting the ground running a lot of the time and you know just kind of running into a book and saying okay right you've got um 10 days to get the 10 pages done but you'll have a script in the next two days because it's um you know it's uh, still coming in so all credit to our editors they did as, uh, they did a damn good job making sure that we got everything we needed and were given as much latitude as could be spared to make sure that everything was done. They, you know, we couldn't have asked for more, but we were doing fill-in stuff, so that meant a lot of very late nights and not a lot of break time. So we'd kind of run for a month on crash speed and then fall apart for a bit, and then in a month's time they'd come to us with another one and say. Have you got the time to we say yes and we'd do the same again and so for crowded we're trying to even it out a bit yeah so we're in the process of experimenting with a schedule both per issue and per day that that works for us so we're trying to have like one day off every two weeks roughly and but actually stopping at, at dinner time so around six or seven we had got a bit more of a stable thing starting up but then the heat wave hit and then it was like oh no this is going out the window because it's like a three hour chunk in the middle of the day where it's just too hot to work yeah because so. uh, un unlike uh, a lot of america um britain is not set up to cope with heat waves at all air well, conditioning isn't a thing air conditioning doesn't exist over here really apart from it like in big in shops, big shop, big shops, or in big offices, it does as well. But like, personal air conditioners aren't a thing that really exists. Ooh. And wow. all, all the buildings are designed to trap heat because <laughs> we we're used to having a very miserable climate. Yeah. So our our office, which is our studio, which is um, an insulated shed in the garden, is mm. a great thing to work in in the winter because it's really warm. But in the summer, it's really hard to cool down. And so we were hitting a point where two or three hours in the day, I could only ink two or three lines at a time before all the ink dried on my nib. Oh. Which was really inconvenient. The thing is, this was the first year we'd had the office. So we hadn't really experienced anything like this yet because we used to live in a big, really old house, which was always cold. So that mm -hmm. was fine. But 
for just for context for for your American listeners, when we say really old, we don't mean fifty years; we mean four hundred. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the kind of house where it was cold enough in win- in summer that I had to wear jumpers <laughs> inside. So we never had the problem of sticking to paper or passing out from heat stroke <laughs> in the summers there. So hopefully next year we will we will be more prepared because. We know what it's like now. We've got a really good fan, <laughs> which is very helpful. Uh, that's good. Um, so with with Crowded, what is a sort of ideal page pacing for you guys per, you know, per day? Ideally, I've, I've got up to um, like a page and a half a, a day. Yeah, but I mean, look, the schedule is designed for... Because the schedule's built around rose works like work speed and all of that so <laughs> i am the one that will hold everything up <laughs> yeah but then like because because rose um got the really intensive job as like as we said there's a lot of work in, do- in terms of building sketchup models and all of that to make sure that everything works and is consistent so we're on a six weekly schedule so the ideal is that ro will have two weeks after getting the script to um basically get the pages prepped for penciling yeah and then about a page a day is enough to keep us on schedule okay with with a bit of wiggle room um what are you what are you guys reading now in in the in the spare time that you have to uh to read um i I am a fan of the giant days book but I usually get it when it comes out in trade digitally Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're I'm probably a bit behind on that at the moment. Yeah, it, we're not reading many books at the moment because it's a mixture of free time and free money. Issues. Sure. Of course, the other thing about setting up an image book is that image pays back end, so living is quite lean until the book's out and earning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we'll go crazy because we'll have money. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we haven't been buying that much. Um, the the only things that I'm reading at the moment are, uh, um, Superman. Yeah, the, um, the Bendis Super books and Justice League and and Wildstorm. Okay, it's a lot of DC there. Um, I, I'm loving personally. I'm loving Snyder's uh, Justice League and everything he's been doing since you know Metal started. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, Justice League's giving me real uh, real strong. Morrison JLA vibes in the best way. So I'm really excited to see where the book goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ted, I know you're a big uh, D&D guy. Uh, Ro, can I, uh, are you, is that something you can say the same for? I, I have played it with Ted DMing <laughs> before, but um, I really want to get back into it. Okay. Uh, do you guys get to play often or, or has it been no, some time? No. No, it's been it's been several years since we were in a, a position to be doing that. Yeah, but um, the the ambition at the moment is early next year. Once um, once uh, crowded stabilised, we're we're completely on top of our schedule and we know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I've also you know been able to scrounge up the money to uh, to buy the rest of the rule books and get all of that sorted then I'm, i think i'm going to run a skype campaign because 
we just don't live near enough to friends People. who are interested. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, while we have friends locally, not many of them are the sort of people who'd be particularly interested in Dungeons and Dragons. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, as we're wrapping up, uh, how can people uh, follow you guys in your work uh, if you, in fact, wish to be followed? Well, mostly um, presence is on Twitter. So I'm at Rosy Tinted Specs, and it's R O S Y for the rosy part. Mm-hmm. And Ted talks a lot more on Twitter than me. But <laughs> so you might be better off following him. <laughs> but uh, you are? I'm um, at. 10 T-E-N underscore bandits. Uh, okay, guys. Well, uh, I very much appreciate you uh, coming on the show. And, and uh, you know, best of luck with Crowded, which, again, comes out August 15th. Thank you very much. It's been yeah. a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Monday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics. You can follow WMQComics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote. Finally, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, and we'll see you next time. WMQA!